Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel I'll be covering is our first Wes Craven, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. You get that creepy cannibalistic family in the desert. You know, they're just waiting for people to break down and then eat them. <laughs> and of course, it has Michael Berryman, who's been great in so many things over the years. And this week's guest... Two-time horror survivor, which is pretty amazing for uh, a male in horror movies. And that's actor Kevin Spiritus. Back then in the 80s and 90s, he went by Kevin Blair. Yeah, it was so much fun to hear about his beginnings. Ever since he was a little kid, he wanted to do gymnastics, didn't want to do football, nothing like that. And at the age of 17, he's doing tap, he's doing everything, and he had dreams and aspirations of going to Broadway. But first, he was working at Six Flags in St. Louis, Missouri. And then from there, his it, it went off. He went to Broadway after winning a, a competition, Dinah Shore, which I'll let him go into the details of that. He's on Broadway, touring company. And then a couple years later, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Then that went from him being on a soap opera right around that time as well. And I love talking to him about you know Friday the 13th Part 7 is another one of the zombie Jason ones that I absolutely love. So we talked about his role, some of the behind the scenes. It's pretty wild. He has a piece of memorabilia from that still to this day that, oh my God, I would love to just hold it. Just hold that item from the movie that he that he kept, which is pretty cool. And then, of course, he talked to it about his new hit series because, you know, for years, most people know him as Dr. Craig Wesley, on Days of Our Lives, he was on that for 450 plus episodes. He got written off, and then he connected with an old writer from the show. And then he created After Forever, which has been on since 2018, and season three is debuting this fall. And he was the first show ever to win five daytime Emmys, which is uh, pretty amazing. Great chat with him. And we talked about uh, next week's guest, uh, one of his good friends, Denise Duff, who actually connected uh, us with Kevin. Uh, they became besties on uh, Subspecies 2 and 3 when they were filming that over in Romania. Man, just a great chat about filmmaking and uh, you know just his time in Hollywood, how you have to almost play the game, so to speak, when it comes to uh, being in film and acting and TV. But uh, Great chat. Do me a favor. If you're new here, please subscribe wherever you're listening. Share us with your friends and follow us on all social media at sequels only. And without further ado, here's actor. And he says it himself, the king of the horror sequel, Kevin Spiritus. Now, this would be a lot of fun. I really it, it's like a lot of times people when they when I talk to them they're thinking like, they're going to, you know, Doug's going to ask about, you know, the, the big movies or the big shows and stuff. But the one thing I really enjoy is finding out how people, you know, got started. Cause this is obviously a crazy business to attempt to get into. Like yeah. the success rate is in the, I don't know, maybe single digits, teens at, at best, right? They're in something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, so how did it all begin for you? You grew up in St. Louis or in the suburbs outside? Okay, so I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, um, a suburb called Creve Corps, Broken Heart. Um, and uh, you're going to laugh at this, but today is, the, what, the 28th, 29th? What is today? What's the date today? Today is the 28th. The 28th. So on June 30th, 
Let's see how many. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> Alexa, what is 17 minus 60? 17 minus 60 is minus 43. Okay, uh, 40, 43 years ago, to 30th of June. I was working at Six Flags over Mid-America as a performer, and I won the Stairway to Stardom for the Dinosaur Show. Do you know okay. Who that, you know who Dinosaur yeah. was? Okay. Oh, yeah. So I debuted, I sang and danced on the Dinosaur Show, however many years ago that was, we just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I was in choir. I was in um, all the school plays. I was, um, uh, you know, I... I wanted to sing and dance on Broadway, and that was my dream. And sure enough, um, uh, at 17, I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas for a semester only. And I was studying dance and arts, and um, the dance, um, not the dance, um, uh, not the head of the dance department, but the assistant to the dancing teacher, his name was Jerry Bevington. And he was very situated in the program. And he saw me one day and he said, what's up with you? Why are you so unhappy? And I said, I don't think I should be here. He said, you're right. You shouldn't. You should be in New York. Thank you, Jerry wow. Bevington. Uh, you know, as, as a, an astute, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, I wanted to be in all the shows. And they were, if you're in college, you go through the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, they give you the parts you're paying to be a star in their shows. I was a freshman. They weren't going to use me. So um, yeah. I went to New York and three months later, I was cast in a chorus line on the Broadway tour. And um, wow. I mean, I did you know anybody in New York? Was there like any ins or did you go like totally blind or did you have somebody out there? I knew two people out there. Um, I went to stay with somebody. I, you know, I was, I was, um, I don't know. I was kind of like a, um, I don't want to say a hustler, but I was, I was, I was a hustler of, of sorts. I really wanted to, let me turn this off. I really wanted to um, be successful fast. And my hustle was about, you know, um, looking at people I knew, looking up auditions, looking up uh, uh, casting directors, um, anybody who had an opportunity for me to possibly come out there and do something, I'd call and knock on the door. And, you know, this is wow. way before the internet. This is way before. Um, let me turn this down. This is very bright. I'm just noticing. Oh, that's easy. Now I can see you. Um, and I just, I really, really wanted to... Um, I don't know. I wanted to sing and dance on Broadway. I remember a chorus line coming through St. Louis two years in a row prior to my going to New York. And uh, sure enough, um, I heard about an audition and I took my picture and resume to the stage door as per somebody's request, Jamie Dor Torsellini. I met him in St. Louis uh, when he came through and did a chorus line. And then I saw him on the streets in New York. I said, you did chorus line in St. Louis, Missouri. I remember seeing it. So that's how we kind of connected. And one day we were walking by the Schubert Theater and I said, I, I, I want to be in a chorus line so badly. I wish they were having auditions. He said, they are. And I went, what? He said, yeah, they're having a closed call. Uh, you should take your picture and resume to the stage door, which I did. I, I knocked on the stage door and I said, I'm Kevin Blair. That was my name at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not equity, but if you think I'm right for the show, please call me. I'd love to audition. And they called. And um, 
a week and a half later, I was in a chorus line learning the show. And that took me to uh, the tour. So I kind of got out of New York at that time. And I kind of got, um, I don't know, I was very spoiled. A year, <laughs> a year in a white contract as a lead. So I was Mike Costa. I saying I can do that. Um, that was that was considered a white contract lead, and you could buy into SAG at that time if you had a really white, from yeah, Broadway. White, you could well, buy a white, into SAG. A white, a white contract meant you were an equity lead, and that could give you um, entree to purchasing SAG. So I was like, I got to LA and I was like, okay, I'm SAG, I'm equity, let's do this. And um, <laughs> I had already been after uh, doing some modeling and some um, uh, industry shows back in St. Louis as a kid. So that was, I was SAG after an equity. And that sort of started my career here in 1982. So in- was that always the goal? Obviously you said like, uh, you always wanted to like go on Broadway and you did that was after you did that was there right away you were thinking tv film <laughs> at all or you know i wanted to be gene kelly i wanted to be fred astaire i wanted to sing and dance on broadway and that happened so fast and then i'd get out here i got out here i don't know people said you know you'd be right for a soap opera you'd be right for this part you'd be right for this or that so i mean i kind of found my my rhythm that's the best way i can say it um out here and um it took me a little while it took me a year in one year the first year i was here i got my very first slasher film sequel nice um, i know I, I was uh, cast as what was my name roy in the hills have eyes part two the hills have eyes part two and um Wes Craven directed that and wrote that, of course. And then um, about a year after that, I landed my first soap opera called Rituals. And that was, they were trying to create a syndicated soap opera. So Rituals played sometimes in the afternoon, depending on what your um, your particular uh, uh, state was or, you know, uh, location or what do they call that? They call that... Um, a time zone? Time zone, but no, it was sort of like uh, whatever your, um, uh, there's a, a technical word for it, and I'll think of it in a second, but um, it played 11 o'clock here in the afternoon, and it played 11 p.m. in St. Louis, Missouri, and it played all over the um, demographic. Oh, okay. Whatever your demographic was, that's where they kind of try to plug it in. So that happened, and it was only on for a year. And um, It was on for a year, and there was, was 81 on. episodes? Oh, is that what it says? Yeah, I don't know if that's right. That's a uh, but that well, makes sense, I, right? I did, it's a soap, 80, so they pump out a lot of episodes. I did eighty-one episodes on Rituals, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you know, that's where I kind of learned that whole television fast memorization and and soap opera then was a little different too. It was um, it was um, you get up in the morning, you're blocking, then you get to your um, you get to your rehearsal with the camera blocking and then you have a dress rehearsal because you have to learn your part and how get acting notes and whatnot. And then, um, and then you tape it, um, for reals. Um, who was on that show with me? Mary Beth Evans Schwartz, who is now Kayla on days of our lives. Um, okay. go back that far. Um, who else? There was someone else. Uh, Ken Schreiner, who is now leaving general hospital. 
Um, there was an actress named Felice Sampler, who was on Days of Our Lives for many years, and she was also on Another World for many years. She's recently passed. Um, uh, Greg Malavy from um, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman played my dad. And there is one more person who, um, okay, get this story. This is, I'm jumping way, way, way ahead. That's fine. This, this last holiday season around Christmas, before Christmas, I was in New York. I had just finished um, uh, season three of After Forever, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. And I went to go see my ex in a play. And he was in this great new weird off the, it was just a weird play. Uh, comedy, <laughs> dramedy, over the top acting, very serious at times. And I had no idea what to expect. He was at 59 East 59th Street. It was a theater. I can't remember the name of the show. And I sit down and I sit down next to this woman and I go, oh, my God, all the ladies are uh, these ladies who lunch. They must be um, they're all in red sweaters. And this woman turns to me and she says, you know, I brought all of these women here. It's their Christmas present from me. I said, oh, my God, that's fantastic. What what made you? pick the show and she says I don't know I read it it's I read the blurb about it it sounded outrageous and that's just my kind of work and I love to watch and and, and, and promote and um, support and I go oh um, are you in the business and she goes I used to be and I said oh um, my name is um uh, she, I go what's your name and she goes Christine Jones I went Christine it's Kevin Blair from Rituals oh my <laughs> and goes, god and we had this I mean I saw a, now a very beautiful, matured woman with silver hair, you know, in the same cut that she used to have. Uh, it was so weird. It was so brilliant. Oh my God. And, what um, was the last time you saw her? Was it that long ago? Rituals. Alexa. Wow. How many years? No, I'm uh, kidding. I joke, joke, joke. Um, um, but it was, we just had this beautiful reunion and we took pictures and some selfies and, um, so that was um, that was uh, the rituals. Um, that Alexa, good. stop. Alexa, but no, I think that's what's cool about film filmmaking. When I talk to like actors, when when you're on a set, it's like you're on a little, maybe not. It's not probably not the same because you're not living anywhere. It's not on location for like rituals, but still, there's that camaraderie that you have. Well, there's a family, it's like a little camp. A yeah, there's a um, a very good unit together um of how you come together uh it happened well it happened for me on rituals it happened for me on days of our lives and it happened for me on subspecies yeah so, hey baby you want to come up and say hello to the peoples it, I, uh, it's I it's like a it's like you're a family you like, don't skip a beat you know 38 years later like i talked to alex winter uh alex being this guy winter. wait yeah did he? Do you know that we know each other? Oh no, I didn't know that. So really, Alex from uh, okay, it was Missouri. Alex was this little kid who I used to babysit at the Jewish Community Center doing theater. What? He's a singer too. He's a singer. That's really funny. But no, we did like this Death Wish three reunion. Him and he only agreed. We thought he these two guys that he was good friends with. We thought they were like still in touch after all these years. And me and this other guy set this reunion up for Death Wish 3. It was for Charles Bronson, what would have been his 100th birthday. Right. And it right. was so great. Me and this guy just like flies on the wall hearing these guys reminisce because they haven't seen each other 
since like 85, maybe through I, an email, maybe br- brushing shoulders in public, but they were just going through all these stories. And you're like, wow, it's like you're talking Alex Winter as in um, uh, Bill and Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Winter. And I got that. Actually, the last time I saw him, he had just finished filming or he was filming um, the boy. What was the vampire movie that they oh, did? Lost Boys? Lost Boys. Uh, yeah. Part one or part two, I can't remember. And um, that's how we reconnected. And um, that's funny. I haven't seen him in forever. I haven't seen him in forever. And I think he's one of the most talented, most articulate, most creative, younger dudes around. You know, <laughs> he's what is he? That's what is he funny. like? He's, he's got to be like what fifty now? <laughs> Something. Something oh, like he's got to be no. When you babysat him, he wasn't probably that that much younger than you now. Alexa, how old is Alex Winter? Alex Winter is 57 years old. 57 years old. So I'm 60. Yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, so pretty close. Well, Alex, keep up the good work, man. <laughs> Alex, keep up the good work. So yeah, so from so you're you're in the while you're like on rituals, and then obviously you go to like shows like Facts of Life. Are you still doing broad Broadway? I know LA is totally different. It's like you, a very you, smaller uh, scene when it comes to that. Doug, you're asking some great questions. Um, so I maintained my musical roots out here in Los Angeles, whether it was in Long Beach doing a musical at the Civic Light Opera there or um, a benefit where I'd be chosen to sing, you know, a solo or a duet with somebody. Um, I did Into the Woods three times at different times throughout the, um, uh, the history. I've been out in Los Angeles for 40 years. 40 years has been my base here in Los Angeles. Um, uh, and at that time I also went back to New York and I, okay, so I still had this love affair with, um, New York and I still had this love affair with Broadway and I was cast to replace somebody in the musical meet me in St. Louis on the Broadway. Oh, look at that. Um, and then I replaced somebody and it closed six weeks later. Not that <laughs> I, had any, I had nothing to do with the closing. Um, and then, um, and, and, yeah, do not hire Kevin ever again. No. Um, I, I auditioned for Hairspray and, uh, right after days of our lives had written me off 20 years ago when they kind of like did a whole like new head writer and we left and, um, I was free to kind of pursue, um, uh, theater again. And I was very excited about it. Um, I got very close to doing Hairspray on tour and I didn't get it. And I was heartbroken because I know Jerry Mitchell, I know um, Scott Whitman, and I know Mark Shaman, and I wanted to be in Hairspray. Um, Corny Collins. And I uh, didn't get it. And then I get a call. And this is something, this is something I can't explain how I know, but this is what happens to me. Um, I get a call from my agent and they start to say, here's the audition. And by the time I hang up the phone, I know the role is either mine or I'm going to get it or something like that. And um, I got a call from my agent that they wanted to see me again in New York. I was living in L.A. in New York to um, audition again for The Boy From Oz. And I said, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Did someone drop out? I get a call to audition for... uh, boy from Oz and they said no um this is to be the standby for Hugh Jackman okay now Kevin I told them you're six feet tall um I'm not six feet tall um <laughs> they're looking for someone six foot and over 
I'm not six foot nowhere. Um, but I hung up the phone and I turned to my partner at the time and I said, um, I'm going to be booming to New York. And he said, what? And I said, he said, you got a job? I said, I'm going to. I just knew, and I, this is not anything other than Peter Allen's music is me. Um, I love Hugh Jackman. You know, I, I can see why they would want someone like me to stand by for him. Um, it got down to four guys. I got it. I'm not six foot. I kept telling them, I'm a grower, not a shower, you know, <laughs> and that was, that was a joke. But um, now I never went on for Hugh. He never missed performance, but I went on for other parts that I covered. And it was one of the greatest years in the weirdest of ways. Um, uh, you know, I, I was basically, I, I wasn't being babysat, but I was watching a show go on every night that I knew I could step into at any given moment and get the excitement and, 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 and the joy of being on stage. And it wasn't about that, that year, that contract was really about, um, how can I say this? Uh, was about me learning and watching and observing how the theater goes together. I'm talking from a superstar to people under him, to the audience, to producers, to writers, to the musicians, to the, uh, I was at, I was told, um, this never happened, but, um, Patrick Vacriello was, is still a musical director. He was the musical director for, um, <laughs> for Boy From Oz. And I'm sitting with him one night doing previews and I had just been hired. I mean, I kind of came in very late and I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, I love that number. He goes, you ready to go on? And I went, what? He goes, oh yeah. He'll call in sick. You watch all my stars right into previews. They'll do three shows or four shows and they'll, they'll pull out for a night. And I said, what? And, um, I went home that night and I put the script in my head, like in a day and, um, never went on, but I knew it, but that was like, that was my training. That's from, you know, the daytime training. You put it in your head. And I knew at that point, if anyone called me to go on for any of the roles, I was ready. I was ready. Um, tell me if this helicopter is too loud because it's loud. Um, oh, no, I can't hear it. Okay. So, um, but here's the great thing about Jacqueline. I watched him, and I told him this too, and I, I've kind of got a new show, a new podcast that I'm kind of putting together based on this, um, what would Hugh do? Um, and it's basically, I watched Hugh. I watched him take care of the audience every night. I don't mean just with his talent, but like if something happened, oh wait, stop it. That wasn't supposed to happen. That, oh wait, hold on. Um, are you okay? We're going to fix this. We'll be all right with you. Hold on. Talk amongst yourself. And he was, oh, it was like, there was never a problem. And that's what I learned. There's never a problem unless you choose it or unless you make it. And I just learned to let go of problems. I, I have no fear going on stage. I have no fear walking onto a set now. The only time I have fear is if I'm not ready, if I'm not prepared, if I am not rehearsed enough, and that's still up to me. So yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a self-discipline thing that I've actually had to learn and take on through the years. And um, 
the great thing about our dear friend Denise Duff, who I'm mad about. Yes. Family, yeah. a sister of however many years we've known, known each other. Um, she is the same way. She's like, boom, I got to know it. I got to do it. I got to get in there. And it's, and that's why I love her. That's why we like, you know, um, yeah, I met Denise. Um, we're jumping around here, but um, well, around that time, around, uh, what is it? How many, 32 years ago, 33 years ago, uh, we did the you first. You met her just on, on subspecies? That's the first the time you met her? Subspe- yeah. Uh, second one, I yeah. Met her, yeah. <clears throat> we both met on subspecies two and three. We spent the entire summer with Anna Tove, Ted Nicolau, uh, Melanie Shatner. Um, there was one more person who, anyway, there was the four of us, basically. Uh, Melanie didn't come back to do the prequel, obviously, but um, we became a family. And I would do anything for Ted and Honest and, and Denise. I just, I love them so much. And it's really because of Denise that I went on to do the prequel. As you know, um, I, <laughs> I played Mel Thompson in part two and three. <laughs> and um, uh, I got killed in part four because I had been hired by Days of Our Lives and couldn't get away to do part four. <laughs> they killed off the character. Um, and, uh, and Denise said, hey, Ted, if you're, you're going to do a prequel, you got to bring Kevin in. Well, Denise, no, he's like, you know, dead. And, yeah, but it's a prequel. Make him someone else. And, and put makeup on him. Do something. And we discussed it. And I was... I was over the moon that he allowed me to jump into um, Vladislav's. I mean, and then of course, <laughs> Denise and I had like I had like five days of work during those three weeks I was there in um, in Belgrade and um, <laughs> Serbia. And um, you know, this kept you know the pandemic kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And by this time, I'm now in need to get clear so I can get to New York to finish season three of After Forever which is my baby. And I, I you know, yeah. I said, Ted, Ted, you're, you're, you're pushing up against it. You know, he says, just get, just trust me, Kevin. Trust me, we'll get you out there. I promise we'll get you out of there. And they did, they did. But you know, Denise and I traveled that, we, we exp- I've got pictures on, let's see if I can pull a couple pictures here. There's um, some great pictures of me and Denise that you'll love. Um, I'll share no, I think it's cool. Like when you, when you do an acting, when you're doing a job, Obviously, you love the craft you do, but when you do it in somewhere exotic that you m- might never go on a vacation, exactly. not saying you wouldn't choose it, nothing against those countries that people go and film in, because obviously it's cheaper, you get different, you cheaper work and to build sets, but why not? Well, right? I'll tell you something. We were in Romania for about three months, give or take, in a year before, a year after the fall of Ceausescu. We had no cell phones. We had no internet. We had nothing. So um, let's see if I can find some of these pictures. These are, this. I think this is the epitome of Denise Duff and myself. <laughs> because I, we just love each other so much. And she's like my sister from another dad and mom. So, um, <laughs> okay, let's see here. Um, oh, yeah. Full moon loves shooting Romania. Yeah, well, they don't shoot there no more. They don't shoot there no more. Um uh okay so here here here's a great picture of me and jackman um this is um so i begged hugh jackman to be in part three uh, part two of after forever and he considered it and he and he, wow. and he and he couldn't do it he couldn't do it he couldn't work it out 
And I said, thanks for even thinking about it and considering it. It means the world to me. And um, he goes, you, you're not going to even beg me? So I ha- before the pandemic, I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl. And this is me begging him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He's great. Um, and um, he said, no, I still can't do it. Um, and then um, where is where's Denise? Where's Denise stuff? Um, oh, come on. Here we go. I think. Nope. It's coming. It's coming. Here. Well, this is a picture of me. So this is a picture of me and Denise. Um, she came out here from, she was living in Florida at this time. She moved to Florida. And I picked her up from the airport, dropped her off at this. She had this huge, like, um, um, there was a, a, not a festival, but there was some sort of like, you know, um, convention going on outdoors. And um, I come to pick her up. And she goes, what, what, tell me. So this is the day that I came back with the news that Days of Our Lives had just called me back to have Craig Wesley come back and come out of the closet. So yeah, it was really kind of a cool thing. Um, Yeah, that's my Denise stuff. I love her madly. Is that and, something that they did unprov- unprovoked? Like, is that something that you mentioned to the writers in the past? No. Or? So this, this is this is this. Is, let's let's jump here. We'll jump here. Um, okay. Yeah. Wait. This is what I was looking for. This is what I was looking for. So this is me and Denise. This is thirty in 1992, subspecies two and three, and then in Serbia, 2020. I don't know if you can see that. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that's we, we kind of we kind of posed again. Recreated it. Yeah. 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 That's my girl. That's really um, cool. So it was very clear to me that they were starting to bring back a lot of people. You know, storylines repeat, they they repeat, they repeat, they repeat. Um, That's a soap opera. And sure enough, um, I I remember telling my my co-star, Patrika Darba, who played my wife Nancy on the show, I said, honey, they aren't ever going to bring me back unless they bring me out of the closet. And she says why would they do that? I mean, that's ridiculous. I said, it's a great story. Now, cut to June 1st, 2014. I'm in New York. I had, I had decided that after, after, uh, after they wrote me off of Days of Our Lives and I had done, um, I, I'd gone back to do Hairspray in Vegas. I got to do it and that closed three months later because it just didn't, it didn't, it wasn't me, but it just didn't stick in Vegas. So I, I had the bug again. I I wanted to go back to New York and sure enough, I, I packed up everything. I had never lived in New York for more than that year that I had done uh, the show with um, Jackman and um, standing by for him. And I moved to New York for seven and a half years. Wow. And that's when I kind of felt I got on stage a couple of times with some plays that I was very excited about. And then um, I remember um, June 1st, 2014, I'm at the gym and I get off of the treadmill and there's a gentleman and he says, um, are you Kevin Spiritus? Because um, I used to write for you on Days of Our Lives. I went, great pickup line. No, um, <laughs> I, said, I said, I said, I said, what's your name? And he said, Michael Slade. And I said, oh, my God, I know that name. You know, the, the writers and the actors are always kind of kept apart on soaps. They don't want them getting any extra attention. Or 
And I said, of course, I know Michael Slade's name, and um, nice to meet you. And we started talking, and I asked him what he was doing, and he said, um, kind of like, you know, kind of taking it easy. I'm in between a couple of things. And I said, we should do something digital. And he said, nah. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to do a story about gay men who are not 30. And he looked at me like I had just taken my hand and went in his brain and went, <laughs> look what I got. You know? and, <laughs> and he said, call me. And we started to talk about, I wanted to do a show about a guy who was my age at the time, 50, 51 ish, who was single and went out on dates and dating in this day and age for me was like grinder and, and, and you Cupid and all, all these stupid apps. I'm like, dates are stupid. Anyway, uh, and, um, set being set up, you know, it was like, it was just horrible, horrible experiences. And he said, um, what about a love story where you are trying to find your true love? I said, that's the idea. And he started to talk about some things and, um, he said, why aren't you involved with anybody right now? Are you single? And I said, well, have you eaten with me? I mean, it just hasn't happened. You can't blame me for it not happening. And then I asked him, what about you? And I did not know Michael. I really was not close to him at all until very, very later uh, in our work relationship, the, um, in our collaboration. And I said, how about you? And he said, I lost my partner 15 years about a year and a half ago. And I said, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, do you still talk to him? And again, he looked at me like I had just gone. <laughs> and he said, I do. And I said, if you would be maybe interested or willing or something around the idea of having me with a, a loss of a character, you know, like my husband or partner has died. We could do a show about the present, which is my life now, my character's life now. The flashbacks would show the relationship of what the relationship was about. And then we would go to other parts of me conjuring up my late partner to talk to him, to work out the grief, to work out. See, you got me a good day. Um... So, um, there's been some loss lately, so, uh, that's why it's, no, no, it's um, anyway, the story is about love, loss, and new beginnings about my character, Brian Stone, who loses his partner, Jason, um, Adams. And, um, I don't know if you can see up here, there's four out of the six. I know. Amazing. And Michael and I went on to create an incredible short form series called after forever. It's on prime. It's on Tubi. It's coming out on Deku and uh, a couple other um, streaming services now, but here's the thing in 2019, unbeknownst to us, when we won the five Emmys that year, we won best director. We won best supporting actress. I won best actor, which I shared with Mitchell Anderson, my leading man. Um, we won best writing. We won best series. We had won five Emmys. It was the first first dramatic series of any kind to win five Emmys across any platform, dramatic, LGBT, anything. And, um, that was, that was remarkable to us. Like we just went out to create this little show and, um, and people said, you know, Kevin, you Michael, you should sell it, just sell the pilot. And we said, if we sell the pilot, 
they're going to get John Stamos to play my part and they're going to get so-and-so to play. I, and they're going to, it's not going to be our show. And we created this, this show the way we knew how it could be. And in 2019, Michael says at the, at the, uh, oh, so this is why I'm thinking days of our lives. I'm up on stage and I'm, there's days of our lives. There's general hospital. Again, the rest of there's all these stuff people. And I'm <laughs> yeah. looking at the people at days of our lives, watching us, Michael making the speech about, you know, we kept winning all these awards and I'm thinking, uh, they have no idea what we've created. They have no idea what we've done. And later that night at the party, uh, the head writer, Ron Calvary comes up to us, or came up to me and Michael wasn't with me at that moment. And, um, said, congratulations, you guys, you really great job. I'm very proud of you and, um, continued success. And he takes off and Michael just comes up and he says, what, what did Ron have to say? And I said, he can great, he congratulated that. <laughs> and, um, again, this is when I, I don't know why I know this shit, but, um, they're going to bring me back on the show and they're going to have my character come out. He went, what? They will never do that. <laughs> I said, yes, they will, Michael. I guarantee it. Um, I wish Michael was still alive to, uh, to verify that story. But, um, certainly about, Halfway through, we had just finished filming season one, and between season one and season two, and the pandemic, um, during that time, Michael had contracted um, uh, uh, prostate cancer, and he they caught it so late, um, we lost him. So uh, season three, which was done way after the pandemic, which is going to be now coming out in September, um, fall. I'll say fall. Don't don't quote me. Um, uh, I'm very proud of it. It's uh, the first season is really the story about Jason and, and Brian, how they meet and how he dies. Second season is about my character moving through, hoping to have this relationship with a, someone he's set up with. And I'm not ready yet because I'm still hooked into Jason. And season three is about going into therapy and working through all of the so Jason comes into therapy with me and I go into therapy with, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite a remarkable uh, trilogy and I'm very proud of it. And, um, so that's what you do when work stops coming to you, you create work. And, um, I was, I was very, very fortunate that I kind of say it like this. I could have been on the moon June 1st, 2014, and I would have seen Michael Slade walking by. <laughs> yeah. He would have said, I wrote for you in Days of Our Lives. I'm on the moon. Well, I, you know, it's just, I think certain things are kind of like universally, you know, um, mapped out for you. And you can't change it. You can't force it. You can't, it's just, it, it's, it's a universal crossing point. And that's what that was for us. So that's wild. What was the process of doing that? Because when did you start filming that, would you say? Like 2017, 2018? Uh, so 2014, we met 2015 mm -hmm. by 2015, we had written eight episodes oh, and wow. because I had kind of fallen up into producing, I kind of learned how the Broadway thing was going and I created a staged reading. Um, uh, and we had, I, I just knew if I could invite every freaking Broadway money person, friends who had money, who were supportive of me and my creativity of Michael and his creativity, if I can get them all in a room, we could raise a hundred thousand dollars and do this. And that's what we did. And we had a wow. reading and then the casting 
for the real show became, you know, I went out to my friend, um, uh, Mitchell Anderson, who was on Doogie Howser and um, uh, Party of Five, and he had already moved to Atlanta and opened up two restaurants. And he's very successful restaurant restaurateur. And um, I said, I got this role. I think you might want to look at it. He goes, No, Kevin. Uh-uh. I said, No, 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 no. I think you. And um, he called me the next day and said, When do we start? And um, wow, which is, is if, if you go on if you go on to YouTube or any of these um, like Vimeo and you see me accepting my Emmy, um, I had told Mitchell because we we had never worked together. Like I chose him to be my leading man because a at that time. So we started filming 2017. We had raised the money. I you asked that question. So by 2017, we got it all worked out. I needed someone who I could jump into a scene with, feel comfortable, put my arm around him, hanging on him and um, know that he was going to be able to respond. And we were going to like each other and have fun with each other. And we always joked about it. I said, you know, we're always up against each other, you know, but now that you're not in Hollywood, I get the roles. So, um, <laughs> so um, I called him with the great news that we had both been nominated for Emmy and leading um, actor role. And we cried and we laughed and <laughs> it was amazing. And I said to him the night at the Emmys, I said, you better run up there when they call your name. But if they call me, you're running up with me. And he said, no. I said, I grabbed him and I dragged him on stage. Oh, I got to watch that. Him. That's amazing. It's it's pretty amazing. I, I think. So you just knew him from the audition room? You'd walk in and be like, oh, there's this guy. Well, no, I knew him because, um, you know, back in the day, back in the 80s, you know, we had a good close group of friends. And, you know, once you once you're in the auditions, you know, you start to see people, you see your competition, you start. Oh, wait, yeah. you know, so you know, it's just we became buddies and we just um, and his whole story about coming out and, and his story about being an activist is truly amazing, um, which I've kind of helped him produce a little bit here and there in different areas. And um, it may be coming to a theater near you. Very soon. Um, it's a great play. It's a great, it's a great play with music. He sings, he sings in it as well. And um, so that's how After Forever was born. And um, wow. I don't know where it's going to go, except I, now that all three seasons are completed and we'll be, I'd, li- I'd like to get it out there to the world. I'd like the world to see it. And I don't mean like, because of me. I'm, I want the world to see the story about gay men of a certain age who are never, they're always excused from the canvas of storytelling. Like middle-aged women, same thing. Um, so oh, I know. It's yeah. A, no. It's a very important. And, um, and by the way, Denise has a friend who is one of my producers. And um, talk about family. So I'm at the Daytime Emmys in 2019. It's the first season. And I feel this tug on my, my jacket. And I see some shiny like LeMay dress or something. And um, I'm like, one second. And I'm talking to this interview and he's like, I go, what? Ah! So our friend flew her in and she was at the Emmys and she's there and she's, oh, we were just, Ah. it was such a fucking great night. Fucking great night. And I remember coming back here to my house and I went, well, that will never happen like that again. Like, like not, not that we couldn't do it again, but it was like, yeah. it was like every moment, every, I remember just laying here and I wasn't weeping, but I just remember like the release of 
tears were just like, what just happened? <laughs> it just went by memories. It was crazy. And, um, and not like you're sticking it to, I know you wouldn't say this, so I'll say it. It's not like you're sticking it to like, like the shows you worked on or anything yeah, like that, yeah. but it is super, it's got to feel great. Like after being written off and being on stage and looking out and seeing those people in a sense, yeah, you know, it feels great. It feels great that I was able to be successful in, in a, in, in a role and in a, in a position that I was able to create myself. That is not unlike me. That is, that's something I've always like, like when I auditioned for days of our lives, originally I was on for a two day role two days and the casting director the late doris uh the late um um fran bascom uh, <laughs> uh the late fran bascom called me up and she said kevin i just got the producer tonight on the phone well, I, I don't know what you did on the set today but, but but he loved you go back tomorrow and do the same thing i went oh okay and that was two days i did that two-day role and eight months later they called me back and said here's your three-year contract now I have to tell you, when I went in to do that two-day role, I remember thinking and looking around going, yeah, I, I like this. This could be my, yeah, this is my set. I, mean, I, I remember like, I remember like putting my mark on it. I remember like, and that was not something like, haha, I did it. It was just something I like felt I knew how I could create an offer. And um, so the good thing um, is this. This last June 8th, um, right when you and I were getting in touch with each other, the Hollywood Museum every year for the last 10 years has done this um, incredible exhibit called Real to Real. Real people and personas and stories of the LGBT community to R-E-E-L. And this year, um, I was presented the 2023 Trailblazer Award. Wow. And when they told me, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I told my publicist, I was like, okay. So I don't know if you know this, but when they brought me back to Days of Our Lives and they had me do the coming out storyline of Craig Wesley coming out as gay, I did get nominated for an Emmy. But they haven't had the Emmys because of the dang strike. So we're waiting. Yeah. I'm on hold. I'm on hold. Um, so I got to make room, hopefully. Uh, yeah, yeah. Moving over. <laughs> Get in the shelf. Yeah. I, I, I believe it would be an amazing win. Not because I think I'm going to win or I just, it's been a full circle. And this is why I'm telling you this. So my publicist said, so by the way, I'll be happy to help you with the, this is before the strike. And, um, but um, we'll help you with all the stuff you need to um get done for the Emmys, but wanted to tell you that the Hollywood Museum called and they want to present you with this award. And I went, what award? He says, uh, for trailblazing. And um, I said, what? He says, well, you created your own show. You, you came out and got nominated for this Emmy. You know, it's a pretty big deal, Kevin. And on June 8th, I remember saying in front of these people at this, at this exhibit going, um, how long it has taken me to get there. And I don't mean like it's taken me a long time. To, I mean, it's taken me 60 years to be comfortable in my body and in my mind and in my heart as a gay man. And 
to know that I belong. And I said, if you would have told my 10 year old or my 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 year old even, that this would be happening, that I would be acknowledged for doing something that brings me joy and hopefully some sort of healing that you or anyone who's watching might go, I see myself in that person and I see myself in that story. And if they can heal themselves, so can I. And that to me is what we're in this freaking business about. You know, it's that's why we're here. And um, it could be a monster movie. It could be a vampire flick. It could be, it could be a, a, a criminal law. It, whatever it is, we identify and see ourselves. And that's why soap operas are so popular because we come into your living room every day. You know, we are into your living room once a week on, you know, prime time, whatever it is. You, you feel like you're their friends. That's why friends was so great, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I'm very, I'm very grateful and I'm, I'm humbled at the same time. And, um, I believe that my work is, um, beautifully acknowledged at this point. Um, and I'm grateful that. Uh, when Michael and I were writing the series together, he said, you know, Kevin, you gotta, you gotta remember who you are. You know, you can't, you're not going to hide from this anymore. I said, you're right. You're right. And I just think of Mufasa in, you know, um, Lion King, you know, from the afterlife talking to Simba, remember who you are, you know, that's just what it's about. So we all have to do that. Yeah. And it's so, and that's, what's terrible about this whole world with so many people aren't not saying people aren't allowed to be themselves, but there's like a fear of being who you truly are. And like you, like you just said, like 60 years and you finally felt comfortable. It's not like you didn't want to feel comfortable. It's there's probably like the outside forces, especially in Hollywood. Well, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yes. Especially in Hollywood at that time. And I, you know, I grew up, I matured as a leading man, as a young leading man, and now I'm a leading older man. Um, but, you know, you weren't supposed to be gay. You weren't supposed to talk about it. And not only that, I, I do remember as a kid, I knew very early on, um, I, I can't tell you, age, I, I remember feelings and stories and people, but I knew that I was this way and you can call it whatever you want to call it at that time. But once I learned it was gay, and once I learned that gay was not accepted, and that I was actually probably not supposed to be that way, so I could be commercial, or I could get work, or whatever the thing is, the world that you grow up in is your family, it's your parents, and they're the mouth speakers, you know, and I could hear them talk about stories at different times. And, you know, I couldn't even be comfortable in my own home at times because I didn't feel comfortable expressing myself. And then, you know, there's, this is not to out my dad in any way about, you know, yeah. but, you know, I had a very, very prompt, my dad's going to turn 90 in, in, in July. Uh, and, um, you know, he's very much the man of the house. And, you know, um, I didn't play ball. You know, I took dance <laughs> class and gymnastics, you know, and that was me. And so there was all that. And my mom was very careful about how she would support me creatively with, you know, gymnastics or dancing or art classes or whatever. And, but I had a teacher and her name is Joanne Smiley. And um, she 
She's now retired, but she's the mayor of Clarksville, Missouri, and I still am in touch with her. And it's because of her. Uh, she saw my talent. She and I wanted to perform, and she, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be around her creativity, and that is why I know who I am today. Is because she saw me, she got me. She, we never, we never talked about it, but she didn't. It wasn't a problem. You just get out there and sing. You get out there and you act. You get out there and do what you do. And um, when they asked me who I would like to um, present the Trailblazer Award, the first person I thought of was my teacher. She couldn't do it. She couldn't come out here. But I thought, wouldn't it be great to have the mayor of Clarksville, Missouri? My <laughs> yeah. She was very honored that I asked her. But um, So, you know, uh, life, life is just, it's so much of, it, of the, the source that we come from. If you... The younger generation now has a better way of, of being who they are. You know, internet has made it so accessible. Oh, that person's like me, or I see myself there. It just, it's unending. It wasn't like it 60 years ago for me. So I can say to you that um, I'm grateful that I have found where I'm standing. And I'm happy to say that um, I like me. I love you. <laughs> Um, but it, it was, it was, that's what I mean before it took a long time to get here and it would be an honor to stand up and receive the Emmy for that reason alone. Um, my work is no better or no less than any of the other, um, uh, outstanding, um, um, guest performers. They're all amazing. So, and they each have their own story and their connection to it too. We'll see. But, um, so when you started, you mentioned you were just on like for two days. W what was your character? Was it Craig Wesley? It was Craig Wesley. They, it was really, Craig and they, yeah, and they morphed that character into, you know, as many episodes, four hundred and fifty episodes or whatever. I was told. I was told that um, in those two days, there was a meeting that was taken. They said we like this guy. Let's find a way to bring him into a storyline that will help push this other storyline into a situation. And, um, and um, I came on as a snarky, nasty, mean, mustache twirling <laughs> doctor, chief of staff, and everyone hated me. But Patrika Darbo and I became very, very fast um, uh, accepted as the non-conventional couple of daytime, you know, and she was a woman of size uh, and we were funny together and we were, plotting you know and then um yeah it just it, it's it's what it was for those eight years and seven and a half eight years and um and then you know head writers change they want to do their own touch of the show and we got but um <laughs> and, and they brought me back a couple times but that was i just knew i just knew there would be they would be fools not to have me come back. And, and, and wait, I don't mean them fools. They would be fools to have me not come back and be a now gay man who is out in the world, play a character that comes out. How perfect. How can yeah, they, why know? not? Because they're not going to get anybody better. <laughs> what was the first time, like when you're, when you're acting, you're doing like, like in the eighties, when you're doing all those roles, you're doing, Hills have eyes, rituals, Friday the and obviously 13th. coming up to Friday the 13th. Like when did, what was the first time that you, somebody was like, Hey, I know you from so-and-so like in public. Do you remember like what, 
that was or what time that was? Was it from any of I'm guessing Friday the 13th would be, but I'm sure Rituals had a following, even Rituals though it was, like you said, it was Rituals, on for a year. Rituals really didn't. Um, you know, you, no. you might have, uh, you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who the freaky um, people were, uh, the freaky good fans were, were the, were the theater people, because I would go back to New York and they'd say, oh, Kevin, can I get your autograph? And they'd show me a picture of me on Rituals. Like they, they were like, oh, they know Kevin Blair, and then they know Kevin Spiritus, and they know, you know, they the name changes, they know all of it. Um, but I will say that um, the majority of 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 um, well, <laughs> okay, there's a very funny story I'll tell you. Uh, it was Days of Our Lives when I was when I was yeah when I was you know doing Days. It was just immediate, like you know, like oh my god, I saw you. You're the guy. You're the new actor. But there's a great story, um, and this is actually June 1st, 2014, and this ties in <laughs> with Michael. So I was living in New York, and my roommate knew the um, artistic director for the, um, I just lost her name, Wendy Williams. She was doing her oh, Wendy okay. Williams, you know, yeah. and they were looking for somebody who could be a game show host, and um, um do something on the show as a game show host for Wendy and the guest that they were going to bring on. So I went in to meet with them and um, sure enough, I get hired and the guest they're bringing on is Jennifer Lopez. Okay. And, and the game show that I was, I, they've taken it all down now. I, and I've got it. I've got to find it somewhere, but it literally is. Um, hey, I'm Kevin Spears and welcome back to Wendy. Williams uh, summer block party where today we're going to play a new sh- a new game called who knows JLo and it's JLo <laughs> and Wendy and um, it's the competition of who knows more about JLo than and um, Wendy wins of course because she knows everything and um, <laughs> it was one of these moments where because <laughs> okay so if you're in New York City and you're on the street you are in the throngs and you're you're just in, hey, when are you going back to Days of Our Lives? I don't know. Write them. I don't know. You know, like, they'll say, they'll say, I loved you on the show. You know, that was always. But the day that I was on Wendy Williams was the day that that show went into syndication three times in New York. 11 a.m., maybe like at 1 o'clock or one thirty, and then at 4 o'clock. I was, hey, man, I saw you on Wendy. Oh, you I mean, everyone's like, never be. Oh, my God. So when Michael comes up to me at the gym and goes, are you Kevin Spiritus? And I went, yes. Like I was ready for him to say, I saw you in Wendy. And it was a total surprise. He, 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 he used to say, you looked at me like you were going to kill me. I was like, everyone was like talking about Wendy Williams. I was like, okay. So, Oh my God. That's a very important day. That's like something that needs to be celebrated every year. The power of Wendy. The power June 1st. Of June 1st. 2014. Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I will probably post somewhere on Facebook or Instagram my 17-year-old self singing and dancing. I do it every uh, June 30th, so that'll be Oh, it. cool. I'll check that out. So yeah. this has been great. I have to ask about Friday the 13th because uh, one thing I think is so cool, and I love the Crystal Lake memories. I think that's like the best behind the scene document. You know, oh, like you mean where we where we all talked. Yeah, we all yeah, talked. yeah. Where you guys are talking about like scenes and things like that. So are one thing I don't the, remember, are you, wait, are you talking about the book? Or are you talking about the the documentary? The the yeah, the documentary. Yeah, because yeah, the book, yeah. Because the book, 
I was outed without my say. So that was really yeah. yeah, well, yeah. When did the book come out? Oh, the book came out one day. I was at a convention. I said, "All these gay little goth kids. They're like they love me." And they go, "Kevin, because they, they know you're gay." I went, "What? Have you not read the book?" I said, and it was I. I I had said some things where I had said they're off the record and he said, of course. And then he threw them on. Anyway. Wow, okay. That's terrible. It's terrible. And you know, where is he now? Where, where are his Emmys? You know, where is anyway. his Emmy? <laughs> <laughs> so when it came, it. when it came to that role, like obviously like you love Broadway, you love, but you have to work. Right. So how did that get like approached to you? Did you, was it like a, like an open call, your agent says, Hey, they're looking for somebody and you've been in horror. I got a call on a Friday morning saying, uh, tonight you have an audition for a show called Birthday Bash. Now this is a ah, Friday I afternoon. And I went in and I met with John Beekler and um uh oh um Bene uh Beneo. It's coming. It's coming. Um, my oh, cousin. you got it. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Bernal. Bernal. Thank you. Thank you. So gotcha. I met Anthony. God, rest them both. Rest both of the people. Um, and um, I could tell John, he, 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 there's this thing that happens in theater when you're singing at an audition and you're like, you're la, la, and you're kind of like looking in this direction, but you know, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you kind of know that they're loving you. And I, I did the scene and I looked up and John just said, can you, can you, can you wait outside for a second, please? Okay. And Laura and I were not close at that point. We were, I mean, well, <laughs> we were not close during the filming, um, but it was after uh, we came to all the conventions that we kind of like reconnected. Um, we both had different approaches and her husband was alive at the time. And, um, he was very protective of her and very like, you know, don't talk to my we're both fucking actors. What are you, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember going back in, I think I read one more time and I had known Anthony for uh, quite a while. Anthony Bernal had brought me in for some other things. I just didn't know what this was. And by the time I got home on my machine, my agent had called to give me a call. And I said, what's going on? He goes, well, you got the new Friday the 13th movie. Uh, what he goes yeah you just read i said wait is that birthday bash oh that's the <laughs> what's kind of cool before that three days prior to that i had been up for a role on santa barbara that i went to test okay. and barbara clayman was casting and she brought me in and i see this guy running down the hall i go hey dude you, you did that stunt in, in this movie, Hills Have Eyes, part two that I was in. You, you got pulled through the ring of fire. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Kane Hodder. And he goes, I just got the new Friday the 13th. I'm Jason in the new Friday. And I went, what? That's so cool, man. Congratulations. So now my agent says, uh, yeah, you're in the new Friday the 13th. I go, with Kane Hodder. And he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I love Kane. Love him. And, um, and you know, I see... Um, I see Lar and I see um, Weekend at Bernie's. Um, Terry Kaiser. Terry Kaiser. <laughs> All the One of the best, man. For a guy that always played like the villain, the well, in Mannequin 2, he really does the like you 
mention you did like the tur- twirl of the mustache. He was in Mannequin too. He, yeah, he did. He in so many movies, but you really think about what he did as Bernie Lomax. It's pretty phenomenal that he was that the whole movie, like just limp. It's it's pretty amazing. He's told some great stories. Uh, yeah, I, I adore that man. I just adore him. I and he is probably the slimiest uh, person <laughs> in horror movie history. Throwing the mom, Tina, do it, Tina. Oh, dude, yeah. His then, end game the in that whole movie, he's worse than Jason. Really, what he three, wants in the movie. And then the three of us got pulled back to do Roseblood. Yeah, know, which was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So, um, and I lost my jean jacket during that shoot. Back. My jean jacket. The, the de- jean jacket from. I had a new jean jacket that I. Oh, okay. Or part. Eight, you know the the the, the sequel of uh, uh, Roseblood, and somewhere somehow it's been <laughs> my jean jacket, my knit jacket, my hoodie. So anyway, but that that movie, uh, well, obviously got like totally cut when it comes to like the the MPAA. Yeah. So there was like so many scenes that were cut. Like I talked to Stacy Greason, and she talked about like her. Uh, your your cousin's girlfriend in the movie and uh she talked about like because she did a movie like the year before with billy and billy called her and said yeah "Yeah, billy called her and and billy's like a full moon guy now he does a lot of the full moon like 2000s 2010 uh movies but he called her he's like hey they need somebody to play my girlfriend do you want to do it and then she gets flown out to what alabama was that filmed in um shreveport alabama yeah shreveport no Louisiana? No, we were in Alabama. We were in Alabama. Okay. Um, uh, I can't remember. Either it was Shreveport, Louisiana, or is it, it was Al- something Alabama. Um, something we, in the south. It was. It was a twelve-week <laughs> shoot. I remember that. I remember we yeah. did interiors and the exteriors there. Yeah, that was. Oh yeah. Again, and and we were all kind of like very quiet on the set, closeted because you know you just don't talk about that thing and and. You know, a majority of us were running around um, being gay, no, um, but not, not not with each other. But, you know, we just all had this secret, like, you know, it wasn't until after the movie was completed that people were able to kind of like, oh, oh hey. So. Have real conversation. Yeah, I know. That's going to be so hard, like, not to be able to. Uh... A different time. It's a different time. Yeah. It's a different time. But no, that movie, obviously, like, I'm sure a lot of people, like, when you go to conventions or whatever obviously that movie like in the in the history of the series the first one that kane did and you know what he did well, in that movie he was such a what he beast. did what what lar did yeah uh, lar lar and kane carried that film completely so cool. and um and I, I don't know where she is there's all this rumor i hope she's alive but um susan sullivan um you know there's always this rumor that she's like she has died and i'm like where is she hey, come on you know um and there's no trace there's no nothing I who is that which uh, which uh, which character she played the pearls um, um oh yeah i thought she did i in the they talked to, yeah and then they did say that because a few people mentioned that i feel like lars mom in the movie that uh, lars mom uh that 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 is um oh i just lost her name yeah but she's um She's very successful. She's um does does a lot of voiceover. What's her name? Oh, she does. But in the in the in the Crystal Lake memory, she mentioned that about the girl with the pearls. She's like, yeah, 
she's lost touch and yeah yeah we all kind of lost touch with her and i maybe this interview will go out if anyone knows susan sullivan please um because you can't get a hold of her you can't find an agent she was you know what she was also in my quantum leap episode really yeah she played this like um roller skating um waitress at this drive up in 1962 that was the um, where i was um yeah um yeah scott Bakula and, and myself before and or after I, is it like right was, around this time it was it was after we had done friday the 13th because wow. that's how i got to know her i said susan and then jason Priestley was also in that episode with me and that was right before he hit you know no no two and oh there's someone else someone else oh 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 gosh and she's gone um she played Tom Cruise's mother in um, uh, Risky Business. Joel, my egg. You know, that whole thing. But um, <laughs> uh, I'll think of her name in a second. I see her face. This is what happens when you get old, folks. You just you, you get all these. Well, no, it's not getting old. You know, so many pe- There's so many. It's hard to sometimes go back into all those, uh, the names. But no, she plays it again in, in a horror movie. She plays such a great character. You'd think she could play that in so many different type yeah, of things. Absolutely. How good she played like a like a bitch. She was like a, a total bitch. Like, but I, so totally, believable. Totally. And yeah. she was beautiful. She's beautiful, beautiful. Oh, Wait, stunning. Um, um, um Kevin. Let's see. I got I gotta figure out her name because it's driving me crazy. Um Kevin Spears. Quantum Leap. This is how you do it, folks. You do it right here on. You, you take advantage of it right here. Quantum right in front of it. Leap. Cast. Okay, here it goes. Let's see here. Janet Carroll. Janet Carroll played the mother in, in Risky Business, and she played um, she played um, the my mother-in-law to be in this um, episode of um, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. And she and I got very close. She was, was very, very um, gifted. She had a, they call it the touch. She could she could pick up your keys and tell you things and uh, kind of read your mind and read, wow. you know, future stuff. It was kind of cool. Yeah, we lost her a little while ago, too. Oh, man. So here are two questions about that, about Friday the 13th. How mm-hmm. did you know right away? Like, how soon did you know, like, hey, you're going to make it? Like, you're going to be... A survivor. Oh, you mean in the in the actual script? in the movie in the in the script? Yeah. Did they? Did you know from the beginning? Like, hey, I'm here to the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd read the script. Um, that yeah. part, I but I didn't know. I didn't know the big deal about you know um, what it meant to be a, a a survivor. It was always the girl that survived, and they. I, I don't know. Always. Beekler, and Beekler wanted the two of us to you know live happily. It was ever Feldman. After. Yeah, it was like huh? a little. It was Feldman. His character survived, and then a different play, person played him in five, and obviously uh-huh, that changed right. the franchise. But uh, yeah, and no, and I and I and I talked with uh, everybody who whoever I talked to that was in Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I talked to the final girl in five, and I should know her name off the top of my head. But uh, um, Adrian, no, um, what the heck's her name? I just talked to her last year. But anyway, I said to her, you know what? Like, isn't it kind of sad with all the stuff that's going between like the creators? And I think they finally sort of settled it uh, that you have a franchise that 
is called Friday the 13th and the last film is number 12. So that they've done. So yeah, yeah. the 13th, 13th is an op- uh, uh, Melanie Kinnaman. So like, yeah, 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 I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be amazing if the 13th movie follow what they're doing nowadays with scream and what they're going to do with the new idea. No, you did last summer movie. It's going to be like that legacy sequel. You bring back people from old ones. It'd be really, really cool. I don't know. They, how- they've done it with, we did it with um, Jamie Lee Curtis over and over again. Yeah. Like, so why know, not have all you. of uh, you guys back the survivors in like some sort of support group or something? Yeah. I, I think that would be amazing. Um, I think um, there's something interesting too about, um, I've heard a rumor and it could be under wraps. I don't know, but if I've heard it, then it's out there, but um, that what's his name? Who does all the horror story stuff? American horror story is, um, Oh, uh, Ryan Murphy. Ryan. I, um, I, I've heard that somewhere, something in there, there was like a, but they kind of did that in American horror story. They did like a summer camp, you know, they did. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. what was that? Summer 84 or something or something whatever like it was. But um, I but I've heard there's some Friday, something in the, you know, so but um, you know, being the king of slasher film sequels is a is a is an honor. It's, it's a hard you know. thing. Yeah, it, it, but someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. So Kevin, over your career, like when you're in something, do you have any keepsakes that you kept from sets? Whether it been like Days of Our Lives or like your your know, Hills Have Eyes, was there anything that you kept? Wardrobe, scripts, anything? Huh? What um, I, is going to come out? This, yeah, this is, um, so this is, um, this is my danger duck. And, um, this is from a chorus line. I, my chorus line hat, my finale hat is up there on the mantle up there. This is danger duck. And oh this, God. this reads, if I can get some light here, um, <laughs> So you'll get it. You'll get it. Understand this in a minute. Exactly why it's called Danger Duck. Uh, Danger Duck will always look after you. Remember all the wonderful theaters. Love, sis. So sissy was our um, was our uh, wardrobe um, uh, master, mistress, mistress, mistress. She was a, she was the head of wardrobe. Um, and in the theater, uh, sometimes in bus and truck, you would play these very small venues and you would be able to like run backstage to cross over to get onto the, you know, sometimes you had to go under the stage. So danger duck would hang on these low hanging. Oh, you didn't and I was, I was the one who appreciated danger duck. And when she left the company, this has got to be, over. this is since 1981. Wow. That's a so. cool keepsake. Yeah, the so beginnings, that's my you know, you remember the beginnings. Yeah, yeah. I've got, um, I'm sure I've got a couple of things. I've got a couple of, I have all of Dr. Craig Leslie's wardrobe because Richard Bloor <laughs> said, take it all. I'm not going to use it. Yeah, um, all right, cool. And, um, you know, got a, uh, I have more stuff now from, um, and I've got Morocco's from um, uh, Boy From Oz. Uh, Hugh gave us, and there's something else I was just thinking of that there was. I've got a couple of Friday the 13th posters and magnets, oh, cool. but um, yeah, there's there's things I'll go, oh, I forgot to tell him about that, you know. Yeah, I know it's so hard. Like, like I talked to uh, Stuart Penkin, and he was sitting in his living room, and he goes, I go, do you keep anything? He's like, Doug, you, there's a closet over there. 
that has a pile of scripts. He goes, I keep every script. And he goes, sometimes I have people sign them, but he's like, what am I going to do with them? I don't know where to put them. He goes, they sit in a pile. Can I tell you? I have every yeah. script I ever did of Days of Our Lives. I wow. don't know why I That's kept them. I thought, I thought at one point maybe I'll put them on eBay. I don't know. Um, and then, um, but then I thought, oh, then everyone's going to know like what I was writing and thinking about. <laughs> and then I've got, I've got Birthday Bash, the original script. I've got really. Um, That's cool. I've got the Revenge of Jupiter, which is the original Hills Have Eyes Part Two. Oh, so that had a false name too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, also, let me jump back and then forward and back again. So, guess okay. who presented? Okay. Guess who presented um, uh, the Trailblazer Award to me? D. Wallace. Really? Oh yeah, my god. I, um, she was lovely. I mean, I, I met her at a convention and we just, you know, bonded. And um, she's very so, motherly. I talked to a couple of people that directed her and worked with her like in the last like five, 10 years and just said how somebody that comes on set, like for some of those types of movies, you think some of those actors that have done it for a long time are there to cash a check and sit in their trailer and do whatever. She was no. like helping people go through lines and, and it's crazy also, to hear when people she, are like that. Yeah. She's also gifted. She also has a very beautiful gift about creating she and I, the reason she and I get along, I think so um, nicely or so fittingly is because we both believe that um, every thought, every, every, every thought you think creates the next moment of your reality. So you think something, it becomes your reality. If you believe something, it becomes your reality. And like I said before, if you're going to have a problem, you either make it or you create it. I just watched Hugh Jackman not create a problem. He created, he created, um, uh, cleanup. He created, um, healing, you know, everything he did. It was so beautiful to watch that. And that's, that's the mastery. Your thoughts, your feelings, your ideas, they create your reality from here on out. Anything that follows I am is what your reality is. So I am successful or I am not successful. You yeah. choose. I choose successful. I choose successful. <clears throat> oh man. Kevin, this has been great. I'm so happy we connected. Thank you, Doug. It's been great mania. Honor. Thank you. All right. Thank I'll talk soon. to you soon. I'm hanging up. See you. All right. Wasn't that great? He still has the script. Birthday Bash was the like fake name. So people get went in for the, the casting for Friday the 13th Part 7. They didn't say, like, oh, I knew they're doing another Friday the 13th. But, man, he has that script. And he knew pretty much that day that, hey, this is going to be a Jason Voorhees movie. And the fact that he knew Kane Hodder and ran into him, like, three weeks before. And he told him, hey, I just got that role in the uh, Friday the 13th. And he's like, oh, man, good for you. And then look at them, and they happen to uh, be in the movie together, which is pretty amazing. And don't forget to check out After Forever. Seasons 1 and 2 are on Prime. You can watch them on Tubi. And then, like Kevin said, this fall, Season 3 is going to be out. And because, obviously, with the writer's strike, fingers crossed that Kevin wins another daytime Emmy, this time for 
guest starring role for his return to Days of Our Lives as his character uh, coming out, which is uh, pretty powerful for him. So your homework, free on Tubi. I think it's free on Prime. Pluto, you can find it anywhere. It's even on YouTube. The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, a cast that when me and Jamie did the review, many of the people in the cast were in different things. One was in Footloose, actress Penny Johnson. She went on to be on all the seasons of Larry Sanders and and Michael Berryman. Wow. His role as Pluto, just some of the parts of this movie are very akin to when you're watching like Wiley e. Coyote as a kid uh, trying to get the Roadrunner. There's a lot of those gadgets in this movie, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Really, you see at this point, obviously Wes Craven was already established at this point, but is everything changed with Nightmare on Elm Street coming out later that year? But man, whew, beautifully shot, fun movie. Kevin rocks, rocks isn't Roy. Uh, as another uh, another final boy. And uh, yeah, so don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night. Good night, guys.